0: Okay, so I have a question for you guys. After this book, we're going to finish the Heidi Heckelbeck books. And then we have a question. <clears throat> what books do you want us to read next? And do you guys want us to read the Twilight series? Mm. Peyton, do you want to read the Twilight series? You don't? Those are kind of annoying. Not really. Well, we want to know what to read next. Because we have a bunch <clears throat> of... We have some series. But... We decided like if you guys have some ideas, we'd love to hear your guys' ideas. And you guys can leave them on the comments on the podcast through Spotify. So let us know. What do you want us to read next? Okay, enjoy the episode. We are back from Disneyland and also we've kind of been a little flaky, huh? We didn't we haven't done a podcast in six days. Sorry guys. Oh, She's bummed because I'm putting my elbow on her. What you is that? You smushing my, my poor Malcolm. Oh, Peyton had gymnastics today for the, well, for the first time as like a big kid and she really liked it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I've always liked it. Yeah. Okay. Ready? Okay. Okay. We're just going to get into it. We're not going to talk about personal stuff. A series of unfortunate events. Book the sixth, chapter four. If you are ever forced to take a chemistry class, you'll probably see that the front of the classroom, a large, at the front of the classroom, a large divided, a large, oh my gosh, do I need to start over? Oh my gosh, sorry, you guys. If you are ever forced to take a chemistry class, you will probably see at the front of the classroom, a large chart divided into squares with different numbers and letters in each of them. This chart is called the Table of Elements, and scientists like to say that it contains all of the substances that make up our world. Like everyone else, scientists are wrong from time to time, and it is easy to see that they are wrong about the Table of Elements, because although this Table of Elements contains many great elements, from the element oxygen, which is found in the air, to the element aluminum, which is found in cans of soda, the table of elements does not contain the most powerful element that make, up our, that make up our world, and that element is the element of surprise. The element of surprise is not a gas, like oxygen or solid, like aluminum. The element of surprise is an unfair advantage, and it can be found in situations in which one person has sneaked up on another. The surprised person, or in this case, the surprised persons, are too stunned to defend themselves, and the sneaky person has to take advantage of the element of surprise. Hello, please, Count Olaf said in his raspy voice. The Baudelaire orphans were too stunned to defend themselves. They did not scream. They did not run away from Olaf. They did not call out to their guardians to save them. They merely stood there in their enormous pinstripe suits and started a stared at the terrible man who had somehow found them once more. As Olaf looked down at them with a nasty smile, enjoying the unfair advantage of the element of surprise, the children saw that he was in yet another nefarious disguise, a phrase here which means he did not fool them no matter what he was wearing. On Olaf's feet were a pair of shiny black boots, with high tops that almost reached his knees, the sort of boots that someone might wear to ride a horse. Hey, we have those, huh? Or over one of o- uh, over one of Olaf's eye was a monocle, which is an eye uh, an eyeglass for one eye. Oh, kind of like the guy from Monopoly, huh? Instead of two. "'the sort of eyewear that requires you to furrow your brow "'in order to keep it in place. "'And the rest of his body was covered in, pin- in a pinstripe suit, "'the sort of suit that might that someone might wear "'in order to be in at the time when the story takes place. "'But the Baudelaires knew that Olaf didn't care about being in "'any more that his imperfect vision in one eye "'or was about to get a- go horseback riding. "'The three children knew what Olaf was wearing, That Olaf was wearing his boots to cover up a tattoo of an eye and that he that he had on his ankle. They knew that he was wearing a monocle so that his that he could furrow his brow and make it difficult to see that he only had one long eyebrow over his shiny, shiny eyes. And they knew that he was wearing a pinstripe suit so that people would think he is a rich person and a a person who belongs on Dark Avenue. Can you please stop for the third time I'm asking you? Peyton's blowing in his driving me crazy it's fine i've already asked you nicely twice to stop a person who belonged on dark avenue instead of a greedy treacherous villain who belonged in a heavy guarded prison you must be you must be children please continuing the word the word using the word please incorrectly for the second time the name of mine is gunther please excuse "'The talking of me. "'Please, I am not fluent in English language, please.' Uh, "'How?' Violet said, then stopped. "'She was still stunned, "'and it was difficult to finish a sentence. "'How did you find us so quickly, "'and how did you get past the doorman "'who promised to keep you away from us?' While under the element of surprise.' "'Where?' Klaus said, and then stopped. "'He was as stunned as his sister, "'and he found it impossible to finish the sentence.' Where have you put the quagmire triplets while under the element of surprise? Bic, Sunny said and stopped. The element of surprise weighed down on the youngest Baudelaire, just as heavy as it did on Violet and Klaus, and Sunny could not find the words to finish the the sentence, Bicadu, which meant something like, What new evil plan have you cooked up to steal our fortune? I see that you are not fluent in English either, please, Count Olaf said, continuing to make to fake a different way of talking. Where's the mother and father? Uh, we're not We're not the mother and father, Esme said. And the Baudelaires felt another element of surprise as the squalors walked to the legal guardians. These children are orphans. Gunther, ah, from behind his monocle, Count Olaf's eye grew even shinier, as they did often when he was looking down on the helpless Baudelaires. The children felt as if his eye... Eyes were a pair of lit matches about to burn to a crisp. Orphans in. Oh gosh, I'm gonna sneeze. Oh man, come on. I oh gosh. Ugh, sorry, you guys. The reason why we haven't read is because I've had a scratchy throat and I have a cold and I keep sneezing like crazy. So sorry. Okay. Orphans in, he said. Oh, I know orphans are in, Esme said, ignoring Olaf's improper grammar. In fact, they are so in that I ought to be auctioned off next week at the big event. Oh, that they ought to be auctioned off. Esme, Jerome said, I'm shocked. We're not going to auction off these children. Of course we're not, said Esme. It's against the law to auction off children. Oh, well. Come along, Gunther. I'll give you a full tour of our apartment. Jerome, take the children to Cafe Salmonella. We haven't even introduced, but we haven't even introduced them, Jerome said. Violet, Klaus, Sunny, meet Gunther, the auctioneer we were talking about earlier. Gunther, meet the newest members of our family. I'm happy to meet you, please, Olaf said, reaching out one of his scraggly hands. We've met before, Violet said, happy to see that the element of surprise was fading and that she was finding the courage to speak up many times before. Jerome and Esme... This is an imposter. He's not Gunther. He's not an auctioneer. This is Count Olaf. (gasps) I am not understanding, please. What the orphan is saying, Olaf, please, I am, Olaf said, please, I am not fluent in English language, please. ah, Yes, you are, said Klaus, who was also finding finding himself more courageous than surprised. You speak English perfectly. Why, Klaus, I am surprised at you, Jerome said. A well-read person such as yourself should know he made a few grammatical errors ran Sonny shrieked my sister's right Violet said he his improper English is just part of his disguise if you make him take off his boots you'll see his tattoo on his ankle and you make him take off his monocle his brow will unfurrow and Gunther is one of the innest auctioneers in the world as May said impatiently he told me so himself I'm not going to make him get undressed just to make you feel better now shake gunther's hand and go off to dinner and we will say no more about it It's he's not Gunther I I he's not Gunther I tell you Klaus cried he's Count Olaf I am knowing not what you are saying please Count Olaf said shrugging his scrawny shoulders Esme, Jerome said hesitantly, how can we be sure that this man really is who he says he is? The children seem quite alarmed. Perhaps we should... Perhaps we should listen to me, Esme said, pointing one long-nailed fingernail at herself. I am Esme Gigi Genevieve Squalor, the city's sixth most important financial advisor. I live on Dark Avenue, and I am unbelievably wealthy. I know that, dear, Jerome said. I live with you. Well... If you want to continue to live with me, you will call this man by his proper name. And proper name, and this goes for you three children as well. Go I go to the trouble of buying you some smashing pinstripe suits and you start accusing people of being in disguises. It is okay, please. Count Olaf said, the children are confused. We're not confused, Olaf, Violet said. Esme turned to Violet and gave her an angry glare. You and your siblings will call this man Gunther, she ordered, or you will make me you will make me very, very sorry I took you into my glamorous home. Violet looked at Klaus, and then at Sunny and quickly made a decision. Arguing with somebody is never pleasant but there is sometimes it is useful and necessary to do so just like the other day for example it was useful and necessary for me to have an unpleasant argument with a medical student because if he hadn't let me borrow his speedboat I would not be chained inside a very small waterproof room instead of sitting in a typewriter factory typing out this woeful tale Violet realized that it was neither useful nor necessary to argue with Esme because her guardian had clearly made up her mind about Gunther. It would be more useful and necessary to leave the penthouse and try to figure out what to do with the reappearance of this dreadful villain instead of standing there and bickering over what name to call him. So Violet took a deep breath and smiled at the man who had brought so much trouble to the Baudelaire's lives i'm so sorry gunther she said almost choking on her false apology but klaus started to argue but violet gave him a look that meant the baudelaires would discuss the matter later they weren't when there weren't adults around that's right she said quickly understanding his sister's glance at once we thought you were someone else sir gunther reached up to his face and adjusted his monocle okay please he said It's just so much nicer when no one is arguing, Jerome said. Come on, children, let's go to dinner. Gunther and Esme have to plan an auction, and they need the apartment to themselves. Let me just take a moment to roll up my sleeves, Klaus replied. Our suits are a little big. First, you complain that Gunther is an imposter. Then you complain about your suits, Esme said, rolling her eyes. I guess it goes to show that you orphans can be an can be in and rude at the same time. Come on, Gunther, let me show you the rest of my glorious apartment. See you later, please, Gunther said to the children, his eyes shining brightly, and gave them a little bit of a wave as he followed Esme down the hallway. Jerome waved back as soon as Gunther was around the corner, and he leaned into the children. That was very nice of you to stop arguing with Esme, he said. I could tell that you weren't completely convinced that you had made a mistake about Gunther, but don't worry. There's something we can do to set your minds at ease. The Baudelaire's looked at one another and smiled in relief. Oh, thank you, Jerome, Violet said. What do you have in mind? Jerome smiled and knelt down to help Violet roll up the legs of her suit. I wonder if you can guess, he said. We can make Gunther take off his boots, she said. We could see if he has Olaf's tattoo. Or we can make him remove his monocle and unfurrow his brow, Klaus said, as he rolled up his sleeves, and we can get a better look at his eyebrows situation. Rayska, Sonny said, which meant something along the lines of, or you can simply ask him to leave the penthouse and and never to return. Well, I don't know what rascal means, Jerome, or what Rayska means, said Jerome, but we're not going to do any of those other things. Gunther is a guest, and we don't want to be rude to him. The Baudelaire's actually did want to be rude to him, but they knew it was rude to say so. So then, what will set our minds at ease, Violet asked. Instead of climbing down all those stairs, Jerome said, we can slide down the banister. It's great fun, and whenever I do it, it takes my mind off of troubles, no matter what they are. Follow me. Sliding on the banister, of course, was not going to make the Baudelaire's feel better about the the evil person lurking in their home but before any of them could say so Jerome was already leading the way of the penthouse come on Baudelaire he called and the children followed him as quickly and quietly down the hallway through the four sitting rooms across the kitchen past nine bedrooms and finally out of the apartment he led the youngest youngsters past two pairs of elevator doors at the top of the staircase and sat on the banister with a wide grin okay go i'll go first he said you'll see how it's done be careful of the curvy parts and if you're going too fast you can slow yourself down by scraping your shoes along the wall don't be scared jerome gave himself a push in a second he had slid out of view and laughter was echoing off the stairwell as he raced down towards the lobby the children looked down the stairwell and felt that felt their hearts sink with fear. It was not the fear of sliding down the banister. The Baudelaire's had to slid down plenty of banisters, although they had never slid down that one, or one that was 84, either 48 or 84 stories high. They were not scared to try particularly, now that the regular light was on so that they could see where they were going. But they were afraid, nonetheless. <laughs> they were afraid that Gunther had a clever, nasty scheme to get his hands on the Baudelaire mis- Baudelaire's miss baudelaire fortune and that they didn't have the faintest idea of what it was they were afraid that something that something dreadful had happened to the quagmire triplets because gunther seemed to have time to find the baudelaire's in their new home and they were afraid that the squalors would not be of any assistance keeping the three children safe from gunther's crooked clutches jerome's laughter grew fainter and fainter as he slid further and further away and as they stood together without a word and looked down the stairway, which curved and curved and curved as far as they could see, the Baudelaire orphans were afraid that it was all downhill from here. Do you know what all downhill from here means, Peyton? Like it's all bad from here. Like, you know, when somebody turns like 30 or 40 or 50 and they joke and they say, well, it's all downhill from here. It just means like, up oh, the best is already over. Everything's bad from here on out. Yeah, that's what it means. Okay, bye.